This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey guys, welcome in. Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Uh, Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Got a uh, great plan for you today. As far as you know, this is going to be a good one. We have uh, really... We have have a plan? Yeah, we've really vetted this one out. When have we uh, ever had a plan? Yeah, and we don't don't really plan. We just talk. But I want to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. Um, Have some great new products coming out. Sweet Sweat. We're also going to do a question mark today sponsored uh, sponsored by and brought to you by Sweet Sweat. So... um, Anyhow, a $75 swag bag from the folks at Sweet Sweat if we happen to answer your question on this particular podcast. So thank you to all those uh, involved, and thank you to Sweet Sweat being our presenting sponsor. Mike, how are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. By the way, can I can I speak for all 31 NFL uh, cities outside of Kansas City and uh-huh. say uh, a sarcastic thanks, NFL players. Thanks for waking up oh. the uh, potential sleeping giant in Patrick Mahomes with this NFL network. 100 list voted on by the players that somehow had Patrick Mahomes as the fourth best player in the NFL behind quarterbacks Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. Great. Like, yeah. all you need to do is give a guy like Patrick Mahomes a chip now to put on his shoulder. <laughs> Way to go, assholes. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. That escalated quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, we're in Denver, right? Yeah. He is He is the bo- – what was the guy's He's name? He's the boogeyman. From, from uh, John Wick, Baba Gaya or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Whatever it was. I've nicknamed him the boogeyman. He is the boogeyman for crying out loud. And then, and you brought this to my attention because I didn't even see it. He uh, put something on Twitter. It was just him with a notepad. Like a notepad. It was was an emoji of a pencil on a piece of paper with the implication, the message clear. I'm taking note of this. I'm taking note. You guys have rated me fourth overall. I just like, come on. Like one. This whole top 100 thing is absolute garbage anyhow. But then, for those of us who have teams that play in the AFC West, like it's already tough enough with Patrick Mahomes and the offense that Andy Reid has in Kansas City, but now you've gone and done it. Now a guy that doesn't really need to have a chip on his shoulder has got a chip on his shoulder. And guess what? NFL, do you see what it did for the New England Patriots and Tom Brady for 20 years? They absolutely, I mean, they, they, you know what they were? You know what it did for them? They went straight sisters on you in Shawshank Redemption. That's what they did. Oh, you, the rest of the NFL was Andy Dufresne, oh, God. and they were the sisters. Oh, God. That's what happened. Like, they just pile drove you. Is that, okay, all kidding aside, is, uh-huh. is that really real, the whole bit of, creating these uh, these perceived slights and everything. I know the Patriots did it, but come on. There were times that they would bring something up, and after the fact, they were like, well, we can't believe that so-and-so. And I was like, really? Really? I mean, come on. That A lot of the, uh, the, the so-called chips on their shoulders seem to be kind of like, 
Really? This this really bothered you? And it really motivated you? When you feel when you're a you know, when you're a high level type A alpha male in a in, in the most competitive environment in the world and somebody slights you, somebody disrespects the work that you've put in, hell yes it's real. And even if it's not real, you can convince yourself that it is real. Henceforth, it becomes real, right? If you tell yourself it's real enough and you walk around pissed off about it, it becomes real. And I've seen it, I mean, I have seen it a million times throughout my career. And I've experienced it firsthand. And I felt the ire of being disrespected. As a matter of fact, we are playing in Super Bowl 26, we being the Washington football team. I used to play for them, the Washington football team. Have you heard of them? They're the hottest thing right now. Yeah. So Get I, your gear. Yeah, I played for the Washington football team. <clears throat> and their defensive line coach for the Buffalo Bills at the time, I forget what the guy's name was. I saw him. At a, I saw him. He used to do Buffalo radio because he got fired after the game. So – do you know this story? No, I don't know this story. Okay. so the Folks, de- by the way, if you, story time with Stink is always the best. So yeah. everybody gather around. All right. I want to get some cocoa. So this D-line coach for the Buffalo Bills, I can't I, I can't believe I, did, I can't remember his name. Um, he goes through. I'll Google while you're talking. Okay, you Google while I'm talking. So he ended up getting fired for this. He goes through in an article, you know how you have at the Super Bowl every day you have a certain amount of media availability and you're forced to go in and sit down at the table and answer questions to anybody who wants to ask them. You know, you got to sit there for an hour even if nobody's talking to you. You still have to sit there for an hour. You get some, you know, some muffins and some orange juice or whatever the hell they have there. And, you know, you sit and you wait. And if nobody asks you any questions over the course of the hour, you're free to go. But pretty much every day there's some media availability that way. That way. So this D-line coach... You know, gets to monologuing, right? And he's a funny guy. He, you know, thinks he's a comedian. And he rolls through our whole offensive line, you know, with some disparaging comments about Joe Jacoby, that guy's big, ugly, you know, troglodyte who probably walks around his neighborhood and beats dogs. (laughs) Right? And then he goes, you know, Jimmy Lachey, he's like a big dancing bear. You know, he's got great feet, but, uh, you know, blah, 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 you know, lacks you know, the requisite toughness or whatever it was, right? It was a bunch of bullion. It was all pretty much tongue-in-cheek. So we, as a football team, travel up out of town Saturday night, up into the mountains, two-hour bus ride, sequestered, right? Just us away from distractions, away from family, away from ticket requests. We're up in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota because we were playing the Super Bowl. Chuck Dickerson. Chuck Dickerson. There you go. So Saturday night, we have a meeting. And Joe Gibbs gets up and, you know, and ends up talking about, you know, the the team and what we're going to do. Your, your typical Saturday night meeting, every every coach does it. And then you break up to, you know, your individual groups, your offense, you know, we go over the first 15 or whatever it is. So Joe Gibbs gets up and reads this article. And he is livid, Mike. Livid. I mean, as mad as I've ever seen. Now, 
Coach Gibbs, I'd never heard him utter a cuss word. He would say things like, we got to knock their cods off, right? I had this vision of fish falling out of people's shoulder pads, right? He would be like, we got to get a case of the Reds, you know? And I'm like, where, where do you get Reds? Do they sell that at 7-Eleven? I don't know, right? But he would never utter a cuss word. But he was livid. I mean, and you knew when he was mad, right? I mean, red-faced, angry. He's reading this article, and he's like, we are the Hogs. That's what this football team has has built its reputation on, the Hogs. Like, we have created this genre of football based around the backbone of what organization is, and that's our offensive line. And we are the most respected offensive line in the history of the game. Going back to when I first got here in the Hogs' inception with Joe Jacoby and Mark May and and um, George Stark and Jeff Bostic and Russ Grimm, and we have ridden the Hogs to three or to two world championships. You know, we beat the Miami Dolphins and we beat the Washington Redskins, and we, you know, I mean, that's what we are. Or excuse me, Washington Redskins. We beat the Denver Broncos, and you know, now we're playing against the Buffalo Bills. And he was livid. And, I mean, the room, it was palpable. Like, the, the, like we were geeked up about how we got disrespected. I, I'll, I'll give you another instance where we got disrespected. Super Bowl 32. The, like, these are the grandest games ever. So, let me, real and quick, you, just to finish up this, yeah. this thing. So, after the game, Jeff Bostick was quoted as saying, he, Dickerson, gave us a great motivating speech. He was talking about the Hogs. He made a lot of really embarrassing remarks coming from a coach. He made comments about each one of us individually. I wonder if he likes us now. But here's what he said. Talk about Jim Lachey. Quote, wears his jersey real well. Tapes down his sleeves to make his guns look big, real big. A ballerina in a 310-pound body. On Joe Jacoby, my type of guy, Neanderthal. And on Bostic, ugly, like the rest of them. These aren't that inflammatory. No, Come on. None, but that's that's just it. That's the whole point. Is You if, manufacture it. You manufacture it. Right. And it becomes real. Yeah. It becomes real to you. Like, like this is this is crazy. This hasn't been talked about. Uh, we've never talked about it on this podcast, right? So that was something that was manufactured and and we were legitimately pissed. Now, once the ball's kicked off, Mike, do you, you th- sit there and say, they said this about us. Let's No, you're just playing the game like you've always played the game. It's once the game is over and it's the fourth quarter, you're like, yeah, how do you like us now, you dope, right? Um, so And poor Chuck Dickerson got fired. He's probably a really good coach. He got fired for that. Um, in Super Bowl 32, Green Bay Packers, Denver Broncos, we were – 13-point underdogs? Yeah, you're about two-touchdown underdog. I think we went off at kickoff at like 11.5-point underdogs, right? I think it was 13.5 at one point. Yeah, it was 13.5. So it was a big underdog. Um, they had beaten us down in, in a game in December when we brought our JV team out to uh, the year before out to Green Bay. And so, you know, they they were overconfident. Like, they, they thought that that was our team. But, you know, Zimmerman was out with a shoulder injury. I had just come off of um, off of a, a knee surgery. I actually played in the game, but I had a knee surgery a week earlier. Um, TD didn't play. Aaron Craver, our fullback, ended up playing. 
you know, ended up playing um, tailback for us in that game. Bill Musgrave was our quarterback because John didn't play because he had an injury. Like, our whole offense, our whole offense was out. Like, it was just, it was, like I said, it was the JV team. And they beat us down like 40-something to 10 or 7 or something like that. So, it was an ass whipping. And they were just overly confident because 13 and a half point favorites. They won the Super Bowl the year before. And we're sitting in the locker room, you know, getting prepared. And we believe, like we believe, we have a great game plan. We're going to run it down their throats. We know exactly what we're doing. And the inactives came out. And they had a swing player, defensive lineman. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, Kelswalski or something like Kelswalski or some, some crap like that, right? So the inactives come out and they chose not to dress him. And so it was the biggest D-line in the NFL versus the smallest O-line in the NFL. And when that inactive came out, we were like, you got to be shitting me. Like the lack of respect for what we've done as a football team and who we are as an offensive line. I mean, it was, we were like, there's legitimate being pissed off about stuff like that. Like you think you're, I mean, you play in a cold weather city like we do. You're fat and out of shape just like we are, right? And you think here in the San Diego Sun and a Super Bowl with the way we play the game that you are so confident and so disrespectful that you think Gilbert Brown's going to be able to survive without rotation? I mean, it was it was like, can you believe these mother effers? Like that's our old line coach came to us to show us the inactive to go, can you believe these mother you know, right? I mean, that's that's exactly. And were those Packers linemen sucking, sucking Dude, wind by the, the end first, of the game? In the first drive of the first quarter, Gilbert Brown's tripping over his tongue. Like they, yeah, hell yeah, they were. And and I, so that stuff, that stuff is is real. So yeah, thanks NFL, thanks NFL for you know NFL players for you know. For ruining the uh, AFC West for, for the rest of the teams in it? <laughs> well, where would you put? Okay, if you had to rank the top NFL players, I would take, how first would off, they be I ranked? would take quarterbacks out of it. Quarterbacks are not NFL players. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, they're not. Wait a minute. They're the, they're the most important player on any football team. Teams desperately go out and search for the holy grail that is the franchise quarterback. How can you say they're. They don't belong on this list. You either have a great quarterback or you don't. Right, but they, they're not. They, like, when you say, who are the best players? Like, there should be a separate list for the best quarterbacks, and then there should be the NFL player. Dude, they're allowed to hook slide. They're allowed to run out of bounds without contact. They have. They should be, they, they like, hey, if you're worried about uh, all the money you're losing because, you know, you're not going to play in front of fans, just have every quarterback have like sponsored by Target, and how much could you charge? You know, because you got this little tiny Target circle that you can hit the quarterback in when he's in the pocket, right? So that should be on every no numbers, just a little Target circle, and sponsor it by Target. Like, I just am not. I'm 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 like not a fan of putting the quarterbacks on a football player list. I think this is why Lamar Jackson, you know, was the number one player because he's he's like that guy is actually. A football player like that guy actually like runs the ball and they are in, in a very unique system. So first off, the the best player in in the National Football League is Aaron Donald. Okay, he was third on this list. Yeah, he's just the best player in. But 
you know, if I was listing quarterbacks, I mean, Patrick Mahomes would be number one. He wouldn't be behind Lamar. Like, uh, let me ask you this. All right, let me ask you. Just take it to the playoffs the last couple of years. If the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson get down by double digit, by 10, 14, how much chance do they have of coming back and winning throwing the ball? Oh, uh, very little chance. Very little. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes down by 24 or whatever it was. He's on the sideline going, hey, all we got to do is get one score. Once that happens, it's the floodgates are going to open. We'll be fine. And he proved it. Three playoff games in a row, including the Super Bowl, double-digit deficits, not a problem. Six minutes left, six and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, and I'm in the stands in a Kansas City section talking shit. I mean, just talking. I am making 30-year-old men tear up. That's how much shit I'm talking. <laughs> then all of a sudden, third down 15 to Tyreek Hill. Wasp happens, right? And the rest is history, man. The tables turned, Mike. They were coming after me. Yeah, but, okay. All right, simple question. I'm giving you a chance to start a football team today. Mm-hmm. And you can choose either Aaron Donald or Patrick Mahomes. Who are you going to oh, take? Patrick Mahomes. Okay, well then... This I mean, you're you're making it sound like these quarterbacks ought to be lumped in with kickers and punters as not being football players. They're the most important I player get, on a football team. I get you that, either have one or you don't. Right. I get that they're I get that they're the most important. I mean, I'm just I mean, Aaron Donald's a great player. Yes, but what happened to the Rams last year with Jared Goff regressing? Yeah, no, from no. the year before they I'm weren't not, the same team. Okay, this is not this is not the top 100. Isn't the top 100 like? To me, it's not the top 100 of importance on your football team. You're asking me for the, the top football players. Like, Quentin Nelson would be in my top five. Like, like I just, I just when you say football players, I want a guy that has to hit people all the time. Like, quarterbacks are just a, they're, I'm giving you, I'm giving you this, Mike. They are the most important player, okay? They're the most important. I'll give you that. But when I think of when you say, hey, who's the best football player, my mind thinks about guys that have to hit one another and actually play football, okay. not quarterback. It's a, it's just, okay. I know it's semantics. You're playing, yeah, you're playing, I think, a little fast and loose with the whole thing. Well, it's semantics. But again, um, that's just, like, I, I just think it's a, there's a different category there. But certainly, I mean, certainly, Patrick Mahomes is the most valuable football player. Hey, uh, I wish we could just make this all about football, but uh, we're both big baseball fans, mm-hmm. and you know any enthusiasm for the fact that baseball is back and being able to click around and watch baseball games is certainly being offset by all these games that are being forced to be postponed because of yeah. coronavirus tests. And now the latest, as we're talking bunch of St. Louis Cardinals testing positive, forcing postponement of the Cardinals and the Brewers. And you're starting to see this domino effect where, you know, here we are talking on a Friday and already three games have been postponed right? because of first the Marlins, now the Cardinals and the ripple effect from it and how it impacts other teams. Uh, it, it calls into question the way that baseball is trying to do this. Basketball and hockey, they're in the bubble and it seems to be working. Right. Baseball, the early returns are not good. What do you think football is thinking as they watch all this? I think they've got to be concerned. I mean, they've got to be concerned about what's going on. And, you know, hopefully there's there's a huge learning curve here. My, one of my big hopes, Mike, is not to not to bust people. Like, it's not about 
you know, pointing the finger and saying, look at this dumbass, you know, it's not the, the Lou Williams rule. Look at this dumbass going out to see, you know, get chicken wings and look at boobies. Um, <laughs> boobies. It's not, yeah, it's not that. My, my hope is that there is a great opportunity to learn and say, hey, look, at these guys decided that they were immune, right? And they went out and they experienced some nightlife or whatever it is. They just went out to dinner, whatever the case may be. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to point the finger and say, hey, look at what a bunch of dumb shits these guys are, right? I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is let's find out exactly what happened, how like the Marlins got so infected, and how can we avoid it? And basically, how can we live in a bubble when we're not living in a bubble? Because that's ultimately what it is, right? So I, I think those are the things that, that we need to think about. Because let's face it, the workers at the hotels and everything that Disney, it, they're not living in the bubble. They're not making those people stay at the property. They're going home. So it, it, it's a bubble, but it's not a bubble, right? I mean, you. I, all I'm saying is I hope that we can learn from whatever mistakes were made, and I hope that, one, we do a great job of contact tracing. Two, the guys are honest because it's important that they're honest. It's important that they say, hey, man, you know, raise my hand. I screwed up. Like, And I hope that that is a lesson, and it's going to take incredible self-sacrifice by these players you want to win, like anytime you want to win a championship, the most important thing is to be unselfish, right? What kind of sacrifices could to put others first? It's a, the number one form of leadership in any realm, in any walk of life is like whether it's your business, your family, football, whatever the case may be, what am I willing to do? Right? What am I willing to do? What am I willing to sacrifice for, for other people? How desperate am I for us to have success, and what am I willing to do? Well, we had John Elway come out this week here in Denver, and that was one of the biggest messages he delivered in a press conference was right. just that. you know, Maybe the key to a team season this, mm-hmm. this year is going to be just that. How many guys have the discipline, have the maturity— right. And and are aware of the just shame that they're going to feel if they have to walk into the building and face their teammates knowing that their reckless, selfish actions may have compromised your season. You know, right. and, and that's the message that teams are going to be delivering. But my, my question to you is, look, I'm not asking you to name names. I'm not asking you to out anybody. I'm just I'm just curious about the NFL lifestyle and and, you know. You guys are, are very much routine oriented. You're you're very much repetition oriented during the course of the week. And you guys work hard. Players work hard. There's there's meetings, there's practices, there's games, there's travel. But there's a couple times during the week where the schedule allows players to cut loose. Right. And relax. You know, it's Sunday night after a game. Mm-hmm. It's uh Monday right. night because you have Tuesdays off, things like that. You tell me. I mean, based on what you know about this league and the way the players cut loose and, right. and, and act, can they? Can they right. do the right thing? That will remain to be seen. And I think these are great educational, you know, the, the, the opportunity to educate one another based upon, 
you know, what's going on contact tracing wise and, and what we find out about the Marlins and everybody else. Um, you know, speaking of sacrifice, you know, one of, one of uh, just a Bible verse that is so true for me is John fifteen thirteen, which says no greater love than this, someone who would lay down his life for a friend like that to me is, is what you're doing. You're laying down your life. You're laying down your, you know, your rights to some degree, right? I mean, the, one of the problems with our country right now is everybody understands their rights. Very few seem to understand their responsibilities. You know, when it comes to mask wearing, you've got a responsibility. It's not about you. It's about all the people that you come in contact with, that somebody might have, you know, some ailment that they're trying to get through. Like, it, it's, are you unselfish enough to lay down your selfish, what what our, what our head well, coach here say? Your, your freedoms. Yeah, your freedoms. The head coach here in Denver, Vic Fangio, said, <laughs> you know, young men have urges, right? <laughs> yeah. Interesting choice of words. It was uh, fairly awkward. Uh, We got some er, er, urges. The only way it could have been worse if he'd gone, they have, young men have urges. I was like, dude, you need, you need. I I was just like, I told you, I was like, all I have is, is this vision of, the old PR guy that worked for the Denver Broncos, worked for here forever, like probably 40 years, right? Jim Sakamano. Jim Sakamano. Great guy. And I could just see, you know, a press conference where one of our coaches said, you know, that young men have urges, and Jim Sakamano in his office just ears perking up, and then all of a sudden running to that coach's office. Because he had these little short guy with a little short leg. You know, hey, uh, coach, we got to uh, – you know, we've got to clarify. We've got to walk these comments back. Right. We've got to find a way to soften the blow uh-huh. here. Like, urges, like uh, you want to go out and get a burger. Or uh, urges, you know, like. like Man, uh, I want to uh, get down to the hardware store yeah. and uh, do some uh, projects around the house. Right. Urges. Yes, you know, those kind of urges. Uh, so it just it made me laugh that, uh, uh, that's good. that those are the choice of words. But, you know, I mean, I. I gotta believe that the NFL right now is obviously, um, they're obviously concerned and they're really watching this closely. It's exactly what goes down. All right, uh, you ready to get to question mark? Absolutely, my friend. Go ahead. All right, uh, let's start with Topper, who asks, "Does Antonio Brown get a shot with someone this season?" Lamar Jackson is trying to recruit him to the Ravens. Yeah, I think. Listen, here's the here's. The biggest point. I think he will eventually. Like, I I think Antonio Brown's a selfish turd, personally. That's just my, you know, don't be a turd. Needs to be a shirt. Um, but I think he is. But I, I will say this. The NFL is doing him no favors. Because he's still going to be suspended. So, I do think that the NFL needs to come out and say, this is what, when you are reinstated, when you do sign with a team, here's what the punishment is going to be. So the team knows what they're getting into. One of the issues for this time of the year, Mike, with NFL teams is they've got a bunch of young guys. And they're hopeful that one of these young guys just bursts onto the scene. But when that young guy shits in his hat, Antonio Brown's phone's going to ring. <laughs> That's how it works, Right. Because um, young guys get you fired, and usually young guys have a, let's call it a gestation period of learning how to play in the NFL, and 
So do I think Antonio Brown's phone will ring? Yes. Do I think he'll get an opportunity? Yes. It'd be nice for Antonio Brown to know, because he's done what they've asked him to. He's done the rehab stuff. He's done the counseling stuff. He's done a bunch of that stuff. Just to know. Let me know. Is it a four game? Is it a two game? Is it a three game? Is so you're it a calling game? for the NFL to let him know? Let yeah. I guess all of us know what he's facing? Yeah. Okay. Let the teams know so the teams can say, hey, if it's a six-week suspension and he appeals it and they get it down to a four-week, can we weather the four-week storm? Let, l- at least let them know kind of what they're in for. This is from uh, Ram813 who asks, will Tom Brady and the Bucks be the first team to win a Super Bowl in their hometown? I like I don't I don't think so. I really don't, but they are really intriguing. They're in the mix. They are certainly in the mix. You know, I think early there's going to be, I think early there's going to be an acclimation period to Tom Brady working with um, a new offense, a bunch of new players, obviously, uh, working with Bruce Arians. Um, Arians came out this week and said it would be unfair to all the guys here to make them learn a completely new offense. Right. So he's putting the onus on Brady to adjust. Yeah, and there's going to be, you know, there's going to there's going to be a one thing you have to understand is everybody runs the same crap, right? I mean, it it there it's called differently and and you know, you 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 basically base out of different things, but like everybody runs drag slant, Mike. Everybody runs double slants, lion. Everybody runs sluggo. Everybody like everybody runs you know, everybody runs um, a snag with a curl behind it. You know, everybody runs um, curl flat. Everybody runs scissors. Everybody, you know, I mean, everybody runs um, drive. Drive is drive is drive, as our friend Joel Klatt likes to say, right? Everybody runs bingo cross uh, or water, as it's called in the, now it's called in the West Coast. So it used to be bingo cross, meaning you've got a, a, You've got a uh, bingo, which is a uh, a basic, a 12-yard in-cutting route by the inside receiver, tight end. It could be an F. It can be whoever. And then you've got a drive from the other side, right? That's bingo cross or that's the water. Uh, everybody runs that. Every team runs that. Every team. So it's just a matter of what you call it and then how you amalgamate what he likes based upon what they've been running, how you kind of amalgamate all that together and and they'll get that. They'll find a way to get that done. But again, there's a there's a process there, and it's going to take some games, and you don't have the preseason to do it. So you know, a team like New Orleans to me has an advantage. Uh, this one comes from Java Frank, who, um, in reference to uh, radio legend Mike Golick, yeah, uh, wrapping up a, a long run at, at ESPN twenty two years ended ended Friday today. He Friday. asks, "What are your top three segments with Golick on his radio show over the years?" Was uh, Rock Hudson in the group? Yeah, well, I was Rock. It was actually Rock Hoover. Yeah, Rock yeah, Hoover not, in the group. Right. Okay, um, the Hoove. That was you know we we had a good time. Like you think about you think about the things we did over my 16 year career, being a part of Mike and Mike every Friday morning uh, for 16 years, um, and we were we were family. Um, my grandfather, my my grandfather or grand, how would you say that grandfather Oriel? My title. You know how your grandkids call you? They don't call you grandfather. They they right. you have a nickname Grandpa for you, right? Or Papa, Papa or, or, or yeah. 
My my grandfather moniker nickname, Popo, came from that show. Really? Yes. It wasn't given. Oh, I th- I just assumed your grandkids just started I, no, calling I became you that. Popo because I I nicknamed myself. Like you talk about the toolbox. Wow. Joking around, but it was through a joke. It what are you, was the Black Mamba. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I nicknamed myself Popo on that show because they were like when my son announced that he and his wife were were pregnant and I was going to be a grandfather like I had just got the news and Mike and Mike were really excited because we're all family yeah. right? we all knew each other's kids and everything else and they were like what are you going to call yourself and I had just watched um it was during that because she was born in January it was during the Christmas season and I had just watched Tim Allen in uh the Santa Claus yeah and one of the names he had called himself was Popo Gijo. Which was like Swedish or something for Santa Claus, right? And so they were they were asking me, and you know you know how my brain works. It just whatever's, whatever's in there is, yeah, is like, top of mind, yeah. top of mind out the lips, right? Yeah. And they were like, "What do you think you're gonna call yourself?" And I go, "Oh, I was thinking about," uh, and I just see the movie and go, "Popo Gijo," and they're like laughing, like like you're an idiot, and it became Popo. So you're gonna be Popo. That's the story. That's how it. I got the nick. That's how no I got the kidding. grandfather nickname Popo. Was on Mike and Mike. That's awesome. That's how I got Rock Hoover. What do you mean? The the Nick. Oh, I the, know that was your character on the soap opera Guiding Light. We named it on Mike and Mike. Oh, they didn't give you the name? No. No. When I got when I got cast to do when I got cast to do the Guiding Light full time, they didn't have a name. And um and I was on the show and uh I was on the show, and they were like, "Well, what's your, your what's your character's name going to be?" And I was like, "I don't know." I go, "I've always liked, uh, I've always liked, um, you know, I've always liked like Rocky, right? Like that would be like I need a name like that, Rock." And they're like, "Ooh, that's great! You know, yeah. you'd be Rock, and what would your last name be?" And I was, again, why? I was like, "I don't know, uh, Hoover, <laughs> right? Rock Hoover," and they're like, "Done." So. What happened was, what happened, this is funny, what happened was some internet squatter went and bought the name Rock Hoover as a, and trademarked Rock Hoover. Like a domain name, yeah. A domain name. And trademarked the name Rock Hoover, and so we changed the spelling to R-O-C Hoover, and, and, you know, and actually bought a domain, and, and, you know, just, but. So did you, did you, like. Then call up, you know, I don't know your your producer or somebody at at the guiding light and say, "Hey, I got I got a name for you." The guy, the reason I got on the guiding light is because the main casting director, a guy by the name of Rob Decina, is the main casting director. Loved Mike and Mike. He watched it all the time. So when I got the email from Rob Decina and his assistant, they like, they this is a, no doubt. I open up this email. I'm at ESPN, and I thought I was getting like. I thought it was like an Aston Kutcher, right? Like, like I thought somebody at ESPN was was messing with me. Right. So I open up this email, and this email, you're gonna love this because you know you already think I'm an egotistical turd, anyhow. So this email was like, "Hey, Mark, you know it's so and so from the Guiding Light, Rob Decina from the Guiding Light, um, or I'm Rob Decina's assistant from the Guiding Light. My name is, oh gosh, what was her name?" Um, I can't remember, but anyhow, uh, 
We really love your television presence. Rob watches you on on Mike and Mike every morning. Really loves your television presence, and we think you have a real soap opera look. You do, and they were like, "I actually, I have to give that to you. You do look like a soap opera." They were like, "We would love for you to come to New York, and you know, and do a casting call. You know, just do a live read with us." And so I read this email. I'm in the newsroom, right, getting prepared to do NFL Live. And, I, and as soon as I read it, I'm like, You're looking just around. shifty eye looking around, <laughs> like, all right, where are the cameras, right? <laughs> and then I just close the email ever so, like, casually. Yeah. Like, oh, no big deal. Close yeah. the email. And I go about my day, and then I race back to my hotel room and get on it. <laughs> yes, I'd love to come on to you. I didn't want to act all excited. I said, like, oh, come on. Like, I'm beyond that. I'm going to go be a soap opera actor. How foolish are you? How foolish do you think I am, right? Then I ran back to the hotel room, logged on, and answered the email. Um, anyhow, so that's how my whole... Rock but Hoover. it all started Rock Hoover and all that stuff started on Mike and Mike. That's awesome. If I get stopped, if I even to this day, if I get stopped ten times walking through an airport, inevitably, Mike, it used to be higher, but still to this day, seven of them are about my by man, I miss you on Mike and Mike. Those yeah. were the greatest days, you know. I still get that. Is probably the biggest part of of my television career was my time um, on Mike and Mike. Well, that's obvious. Uh, the the winning question is right. from Java Frank. Yeah, uh, clearly after yeah. all those that, those great reactions. So, uh, Java Frank, you win the uh, question right. mark. Congratulations! I will uh, DM you. Uh, as they say, I'll follow you. I'll DM you and um, get your address, and I will. Uh, have my folks at Sweet Sweat send you out a $75 uh, swag bag. It's great stuff, man. They have a great stuff at Sweet Sweat. And we like to thank them so much for uh, uh, not only participating, but being the, the, the presenting sponsor of this show. By the way, I've been given a chance to just kind of take these last 30 seconds to think of you reading that email. And you're right. That reaction that you described, that's you. Because mm-hmm. you are going to be just, just play it cool. Yeah. I can right. see you looking right. at going, all right. Play it cool, Mark. Yeah, stink. talking. I'm you're talking, talking to yourself. myself. Like you're like stink. Play it cool. Act Play like it's cool. no big Act deal. like this happens to you all the time. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and then again, I can see you running back to your right. room, pulling up, <laughs> <laughs> hotel, <laughs> running up the stairs, clump, 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 clump. logging on to the computer, internet connect, connect, connect. connect. Come on now. Stop with that spinning wheel. Right, Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get this email done. Anyhow. All right. All right. For everybody involved in the Stink Truth podcast, for my partner, Mike, for Scott, <laughs> I am Mark. Thank you to Sweet Sweat for presenting uh, this show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with you uh, next week.